Thank you for tuning in to Summary Judgment, where Austin personal injury attorneys Josh Fogelman and Aaron Von Flater of FBF Law discuss the ins, outs, and in-betweens of personal injury cases. Welcome back to Summary Judgment. My name is Josh Fogelman. I'm one of the founding partners of FBF Law. I'm here today with my co-founding partner, Aaron Von Flater, and, and we're here to talk about a little bit of a, a difficult topic, which is what are the rights of people who have lost a family member or a loved one in an accident that happens on the job, kind of opening the door to some wrongful death uh, statutory discussion? Uh, Aaron, and our firm has had some experience in, in handling some of those cases. Uh, Aaron, uh, can you kind of talk about, generally speaking, what the law is like in the wrongful death con- context for on-the-job injuries? Yeah, let me start out by saying that if you're listening to this podcast and you and you're in this situation, obviously our heart goes out to you. And uh, one of the struggles we have in this area is that your rights are very limited, um, and it's important to get really good advice on this. It's important to have good advocacy on it. Um, there, there is a way, okay, to make these cases work. They are challenging. Um, we're doing this podcast without a script. We just want to talk to you because uh, this is one of those situations where there are so many different facets to it. And I'm just going to kind of start by, by saying there's two worlds. There's the workers' compensation world, and then there's the tort world. Okay. So the workers' compensation world is where your employer has secured a policy that pays automatic benefits based on whatever happens at the job. Okay. So maybe you got hurt and you're out and you get in a weekly check, or if there's been a death, there might be a death benefit that pays to the family. Um, what we're talking about and what our law firm uh, does specifically is the tort aspect of it. That's where someone's done something wrong. Okay. So if you're in a situation where you know someone has done something wrong and it's killed a worker, what we investigate is whether or not the law will allow us to pursue the employer and anyone else who might've been on that job site. The employer has all these protections. Um, there's, it's, you know, a lot of names for it, exclusive remedy, or they call it comp barred. And essentially what it means is even if the employer did something wrong, your only recourse as a family is to go to those workers' comp benefits. But there's a big exception, and the exception is guaranteed by the Texas Constitution. It's reiterated in the Texas Labor Code. And that exception is when the employer has been grossly negligent. And gross negligence is a special term. It's, it's way beyond regular negligence. It requires an extreme risk. It requires that risk be uh, both a high chance of something bad happening and that when that bad thing happens, it's likely to be very bad. You know, In other words, really bad injuries, really bad harm or possibly death. Um, both of those have to be true. And the actor that you're blaming has to uh, have appreciated that and, and known you know, that's a real extreme risk, but I'm going to proceed anyway. And that's, they call that proceeding with conscious indifference. That's a tough case to prove for any lawyer. It requires the defendant tell you almost out of their own mouth that they had an evil intent. And you can just picture some of these situations. Unfortunately, they've happened here in Texas. Uh, you have a valve in a, in a refinery and the engineers come to the company and say, this valve, if you don't change it, it's going to blow up by Thursday and they don't change it because it costs them more money than they're worried about the explosion costing them. Because, you know, just, it's just a cost benefit analysis. They say, now, you know, we know that's an extreme risk. We know people could probably get hurt. We, we know people might die, 
but that would cost us too much money to replace. And you know, then the explosion happens. Uh, that is a, a classic example of a gross negligence situation. And uh, unfortunately, even in the case that I just described, which is uh, loosely based on a real case, the Texas Supreme Court has raised questions as to whether that can even work. And so um, when you start to analyze these cases, you come up against uh, statutory caps as to how much you can recovery, recover. And there are just a lot of questions to investigate. Um, with that being said, uh, Josh, let me just turn it over to you and you can kind of describe uh, maybe just one case that we've worked on in this area and some of the, some of the challenges that we faced. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to kind of reiterate, you know, th that it's, it's incredibly important to know when you're analyzing a client's rights and potential remedies, you must first analyze which type of case you're looking at. Are you looking at a case where the employer has done something careless that has resulted in your family member's death? Uh, or are you looking at a situation where your family member on the job was killed by somebody wholly unrelated to your employer. And, and we're talking about situations where a person was killed as a result of the employer's negligence, but even beyond that, the employer has workers' compensation in place, which dramatically limits the employee's remedies under that situation. If there's no workers' compensation in place, it's a completely different analysis. It's much easier, much, much easier to have a, have a recovery uh, for, for the wrongful death claim. But in the workers' compensation case, as, as you suggested, Aaron, we got to prove gross negligence in order to open the door to damages, which are then capped. You know, Aaron and I worked uh, a really complicated case involving an oil field services company where our client unfortunately had fallen asleep at the wheel and, and caused a collision that he ended up uh, perishing in. And we kind of took a step back and tried to understand, well, how did this happen and how can we evaluate and prove that there was gross negligence because his employer had workers' compensation in place and we needed to prove gross negligence in order to even have a right to assert recovery. And it's just hard, it's a hard thing to do. Um, we took dozens of depositions, combed through thousands of pages of company records and corporate policies and analyzed a bunch of federal regulatory data and were able to actually prove that this company had been knowingly fraudulently uh, crafting these driver's logs that, that the law requires them to keep in order to limit the number of hours that, that people behind the wheels of big trucks are able to be on the roads. And they were abusing and creating fraudulent records in order to allow their employees to work around the clock in violation of federal statute so that they could pull oil out of the ground at an unprecedented uh, rate so we proved that this basically our client hadn't slept in five days before the company put him behind the wheel of an 18 wheeler and allowed him to, to, to fatally injure himself. That's, that's sort of indicative of the standard that the law now requires a person be able to prove before you have the opportunity to recover. I mean, gross negligence is, it's basically malicious conduct. It's, it's reckless endangerment, knowing that you're putting somebody almost certainly in harm's way and just not caring about it. Really, really complicated stuff. Yeah, I think you did an amazing job describing that case and, and the factors in it. And what 
if you're listening to this and thinking, well, that's just obviously, you know, evil and surely that was just an amazing outcome in that case. Um, I can tell you that we, I think we might've mediated that case multiple times, maybe three times. And what we learned or what we kept hearing back from the other side is, yeah, but you're capped. In other words, your best day in court with this case has already been determined by the Texas legislature. And it was a specific amount that was their worst day in court. And that became the ceiling upon which we kept bouncing as we tried to negotiate the re resolution in that case. It was a really hard fought battle that required dozens of depositions, thousands of pages of discovery. Um, but I was, I was particularly proud of that case um, in our work in it, especially after having called the lawyers who had worked on cases that failed at the Texas Supreme Court who uh, reported to us that they wouldn't take a case like that. You know, they just wouldn't. And um, so if you're in this situation, and I'm sorry if you are, uh, the important thing to remember is that if you get turned down by a lawyer, it's because of how challenging this area is. Please keep calling. You know, don't give up. There are, we met more lawyers um, who didn't know anything about this area of the law who, who claimed to be specialists in personal injury during that case uh, and some others, you know, after it, um, that then, then had actual expertise in it. It's very, it's kind of rare to find a lawyer who's been through these wars and knows how to win them. So um, not to toot our own horn, but this is an area that I feel particularly proud of our firm on. And uh, Josh, I think you agree that even with those caps, um, they can be uh, worthwhile cases to work on. Yeah, I mean, you have to evaluate every single case for its own facts and circumstances. A lot of lawyers will look at wrongful death cases where workers' compensation is in place and immediately be scared off uh, because the bar is so incredibly high to be able to open the door to a potential recovery from the employer. But every case is different and you have to do some digging. Um, you know, not the least of which is trying to understand whether there is even workers' compensation insurance in play. Uh, Aaron, I, I understand that the workers' compensation situation in Texas is somewhat complicated. Can you kind of talk about some of the things that Texas has done to extend workers' compensation uh, to people who might not otherwise believe that they have it? Yeah, let me start by, there's a couple of things here. Let me start by first saying that Texas is one of only two states, and right now it might only might be the only state that allows employers to completely opt out of the workers' compensation system, and that's something that Josh touched on earlier. Um, we call those defendants non-subscriber employers, and those are employers that you can sue for regular negligence, just the regular old type of case that we're used to seeing in car wrecks. You know, someone did something wrong and somebody got hurt as a result, and we asked them to compensate according to Texas law. Um, apart from that, what Josh is talking about here with uh, employers who, you, you've seen these construction sites, you know, there's five or six trades out there. There's the general contractor, there's the owner, there might even be a city government laying on top of all that who owns the land. Um, and you're saying to yourself, well, not all those employers are gonna pick workers' comp. Some of them might be non-subscribers. And, you know, as personal injury lawyers, we ask ourselves, are there any avenues here that we need to explore, uh, perhaps on a construction site, you might have some framers who did something that uh, contributed to a collapse of a structure or something like that. Well, well, the insurance companies and the owners of these construction sites have gotten very sophisticated and they put together these policies that 
are called wrap-up policies or OSIP policies, which, you know, and remember what that stands for, but essentially uh, it means that the owner or the general contractor on the job is going to pay extra to cover every single person who steps foot on that job under workers' comp and therefore bar these lawsuits, completely block them through a kind of immunity. Um, and what they do on the back end is they charge the subcontractors for that out of what they're being paid. And so um, it's, you know, it's a smart solution on their part. Unfortunately, from our perspective, workers' compensation, although it does have some benefits, you know, you get a weekly check and eventually you might get some kind of small lump sum for a permanent injury. Uh, workers' comp is extremely limited compared to all of the harms and losses that someone sustains after an incident that, that permanently injures them. Um, and so if there's an avenue to get around it, we'll find it. Sometimes it may require uh, that you go outside of that bubble, we call it, to find uh, flaws in maybe the architecture or design of a structure if it's, say, collapsed. And we've had that case before. Um, so bottom line, uh, these if it's, if it's a work-related injury, you are going to hear from all kinds of supposed experts, you know, uh, friends and family who have been through workers' comp claim, and they think because they've been through it, that they know exactly what it means and exactly what your rights are, and they can tell you how they've gotten burned by the workers' comp system, uh, please call us because it is not what it appears. Uh, it requires a lot of investigation and a lot of questions being answered before we can tell you, you know, whether you have a good case or not, or whether it's one that we can prosecute for you. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think if you've unfortunately lost somebody for an on the job accident uh, and, and you just don't really know where to turn or you're getting conflicting information from law firms, please give us a call. Uh, we're happy to help. We understand uh, how to handle workers comp death cases and also death cases where workers comp's not at play at all. Uh, we're happy to help at least give you some counsel and advice so that you can at least understand what your rights and options are. Uh, so this has been another episode of Summary Judgment. Uh, we hope that you found it helpful and, and hope to see you next time.